WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name's John Paul, the car doctor, here to help you with your car problems on, as Tim described it, a blustery but bright day. Um, except if you're here in Florida, where I am, where it's, and I apologize, I can't do anything about it. It is pouring rain, so I don't know if you hear a little bit of the rain in the background, but it's pouring rain, which... Uh, really caused some problems with the Daytona 500, so um, rain out for that, I guess. And the Xfinity so, race, too. And the Xfinity race, yeah. Yes, so they've been yeah. both been moved to Monday. Xfinity's at 11, and uh, the Daytona 500's at, supposed to be at 4. And if you're two. saying, that's not Jesse's voice, that's Tim. Thank you, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Good morning. Thank you for thank you for coming in and filling in for Jesse this morning. Oh, yeah. uh, Jesse Jesse may be out hunting ghosts, or mm, you know, yes. he has this other side job that you know, he's uh, hometown ghost stories his podcast, which is hugely successful and popular. So uh, maybe he's out doing that, having some fun. Maybe um, speaking of fun, with us on the phone is Zane Merver. Zane is uh, one of the most successful blogger website owners that i know zane good morning and welcome to, welcome to the car doctor program morning john how you doing today that's quite the introduction there well i <laughs> you know you, for me pretty high <laughs> <laughs> well you know usually with me i tell people to you know set their expectations low and maybe maybe i'll be okay with it so uh but <laughs> but you guys you guys have been doing this for you and your brother josh have been doing this for a lot of years right Yes, we've been uh, running automotive-themed websites for about 23, 24 years now. And you guys, so that, you guys aren't that old, you know, relatively speaking. Um, well, we started, yeah, we started doing this when we were in high school, and um, a lot of people had to tell us, just don't tell anybody how old you are, pretend you're older. Um, and, uh, you know, it's slowly become something that we do full-time here. And, and it is, and you know, let's not be shy about giving out the name of the website. Oh yeah, so it's our biggest website is gm-trucks.com. We call it gm-trucks.com. We're the largest General Motors truck SUV crossover enthusiast website in the world. We reach millions of people per month, and Josh and I generally just love sharing our knowledge and reviews on new vehicles, aftermarket accessories, and connecting owners and potential owners with other people who own uh, GM products around the world, and you know, trying to help everybody out make their ownership experience a little bit better and that is sort of fun when you're and i and you know you're very knowledgeable about all things general motors when it comes to especially trucks but it must be kind of interesting when you hear from somebody in i don't know australia or africa and it's you know it's a gm truck but you ever get any that you like never heard of that one before um, generally, the kind of problems that pop up are problems that a lot of people see, but we've been seeing more um, people from Australia joining in here recently. Uh, the new Silverado ZR2 lineup is really popular over there for some reason. Um, I guess they really like it in the Outback, and uh, it kind of meets their needs for the kind of truck that they're wanting to drive around. Um, it, it's just it's fun hearing how many different things that people enjoy and don't like or, or, you know, all the different kind of problems and joys that people have with their vehicles no matter where they are in the world. 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I'm not anywhere near as often as you do, but probably a couple times a month, I hear from somebody, and it could be who knows where, and I'll, it'll be some model of a Toyota or, or something, and, I, and I've never heard of it, so I have to look it up and see what it is. But interesting, even though I don't know the model, and maybe not super familiar with the engine because it's a kind of, you know, it's a one-liter engine instead of what we might have a two-liter engine here. At the end of the day, there's still car problems, and I'll try to come up with a solution for them. Although, it's, I always kind of think of it as kind of funny if I had a, uh, I don't know, a, a Japanese toilet. I'd probably want to talk to a Japanese plumber about what was wrong with it and why they didn't talk to somebody locally to figure it out. But the idea that the uh, the Internet makes the world that much smaller sometimes, and but and interesting the way it connects everybody together. And I think anything automotive really connects people together because uh, people people love their vehicles for the most part. They do, and it doesn't matter, like you said, if it's a one-liter engine, a two-liter, or an eight-liter engine. You know, cars generally operate the same way, whether they're made in Europe, the U.S., Antarctica, you know, wherever they're operating, thankfully, cars kind of all operate the same way. So it's fun to be able to commiserate with people about issues and get other people's opinions and find out what kind of suggestions other people may have about what people could do to either fix or improve or modify their vehicle no matter where they are. It's it's fun to hear it all. Yeah, it it really is. And, And what are some of the most popular topics you see on the site? Um, you know, a lot of people want to talk about they've just purchased either their first truck or their first new truck in a long time, and they want to know what are the most common accessories and performance-improving things that they can do for their vehicles. So we get a lot of people talking about tonneau covers, uh, aftermarket exhaust, wheels, tires, intakes, tuning their engines up, uh, accessories for the insides of their vehicle. Some people might, um, you know, can't find the exact vehicle they want and they don't want to wait for it to be produced so maybe they want to add a heated seat because they couldn't get it from dealer or they want to add a rear view camera mirror because their truck didn't have it uh and we love to connect people to finding solutions for all of those individual problems and if josh and i don't know there's about 100 people out there who have done and worked their way through the same thing and can add their advice into uh, whatever issue somebody may have yeah, and I think that really, you know, in today's world, you know, there's, when I was a kid, you you could do some pretty simple modifications to an engine, and you can still today, some of it, but, um, you know, it wasn't unusual, you know, you'd, you'd change carburetors and intake manifolds and put headers on and maybe, uh, you know, you know, two and a half inch exhaust where there might have been, you know, two inch exhaust to get it to breathe a little bit more, but today the idea of adding more comfort style accessories to a vehicle i think is what is popular with a lot of people they're like you know i'd really like to put this in or do this or change this or put a locking storage compartment where there wasn't one uh to keep my valuables in and the idea that you can kind of bring your community together to kind of come up with that stuff i think is really really kind of a uh, invaluable service yeah and and you know there's just so many different ways 
to modify and accessorize your vehicle these days. Like you said, from adding a safe in the console to, you know, you got cloth seats and you want leather seats, you can order them today very, very easily. Whereas 20 years ago, you know, you maybe had to go down to the exhaust shop and you were limited to the few things you could do or you had to go to an interior upholstery shop if you wanted to change anything on the interior. These days, you type in, in the Internet and there is some option out there to upgrade or change pretty much everything on your vehicle and it's really exciting because people can make their vehicles unique to themselves and their tastes and their whims and whatever they desire to change pretty much there's an option out there for them to do it yeah i mean i you know and the first thing that always comes to mind with me is um is wheels and tires you you know people people look at people look at the stock wheels and tires and they might have been they might have been good but they're like, ah, I want something a little bit bigger. I want something a little bit shinier. I want a different tread pattern, or, or I want to have two sets of tires. One, one for you know the winter winter weather, and one for nice weather. And the idea that you can kind of look and see what other people are doing, and maybe you don't want to copy it exactly, but you come up with some ideas that kind of make your, like you said, makes your truck unique. And and um, you know, Ford always says, you know, we sell the F series truck sells, you know, more than any other vehicle out there. Kind of when you combine Chevrolet and GMC together, that I don't know how close those numbers are anymore. Yeah, I mean, you start talking about adding in Silverado 1500 and Sierra 1500, and the two brands together definitely outsell uh, the single brand of Ford F-150. Um, and you can dabble in whether you're combining HD trucks and light-duty trucks. But I think the, the overall answer is that both Ford and GM sell a ton of vehicles. I know just Silverado 1500s in 2023, GM sold Chevy Silverados like 325,000 of them just last year. Uh, and that was the best-selling vehicle that General Motors made. And that's not even considering the hundred or 200,000 Sierras that are added onto it as well. Um, it's, in, it's incredible. And, I, and that just is why there is such a uh, aftermarket uh, you know, market out there for people to go and customize their vehicles. And it's great. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things that you did this year was you bought a Hummer EV. How's that going? I, you know, yeah. So about a year and a couple months ago, we took delivery of one of the first Hummer EV electric, fully electric vehicles. There is no gas engine in it whatsoever. Um, and it's been going really good. We've had some minor issues. Uh, the battery pack was recalled. It had to be replaced. But... Uh, you know, we kind of knew going in that we were going to be kind of beta testers on this whole thing. We wanted to get our, our, our feet wet and see what owning an EV truck specifically was going to be like. We knew that public charging wasn't going to be great, but we've been kind of blown away how quickly everything is evolving here. We've already taken it on two road trips right when we got it and then a few months ago. And uh, this was, you know, from New England to the Midwest. And the change in public charging infrastructure in that just one-year time frame kind of blew our minds. It's so much more mature just one year later. Uh, the performance of the Hummer is amazing. It's rated at 1,000 horsepower and uh, 11,000 pound-feet of torque uh, at the wheels. Uh, so it accelerates as quickly as a Corvette does, which 
is crazy because it also weighs as much as a heavy-duty truck does at 9,300 pounds. So driving it is a very unique experience. You've got this big, boxy, bulky, unique kind of vehicle that just blows the pants off of any other car that you're passing on the road. And the other thing that I've really enjoyed using here over the last few months, and especially on our road trips, is GM Super Cruise uh, feature. It's it's semi-autonomous driving uh, program or software uh, that allows you to basically in on the highway and now it's some two-lane roads you can take your hands off the wheel and your feet off the pedals and just let it drive you down the road without any input of yourself as long as you're looking straight at the road and not distracted it'll just keep going so i've got a couple thousand miles of super cruise driving under my belt now and it's it's really neat the whole vehicle as a whole um has got to be one of my most favorite vehicles that i've ever driven in my entire life and the the super cruise is the is when it was compared to uh, Tesla's self-driving and some of the others, uh, Consumer Reports rated Super Cruise as the best for the reason you said. You got to be paying attention. You got to be still looking at the roadway where the Tesla, when it's in full self-driving mode, uh, you can literally. I mean, I guess I guess you're supposed to have your hand. It knows if your hand's not on the wheel. But uh, Consumer Reports said, you know what? Yeah, it's too easy to get distracted in the Tesla. We like the we like GM Super Cruise better. Yeah, there is a little camera on GM Super Cruise enabled vehicles that sits in the steering wheel and looks back and uses facial recognition to identify your eyes and where they're looking in your face and which way it's turned. And so you can look over and talk to the passenger for a second. You can grab your cup of coffee. But if you're not paying attention for more than like 10 seconds or so or five seconds, it will start flashing a light at you and threaten to stop the vehicle and pull over. Uh, and you got to take control again, grab the, the steering wheel. Um, and, you know, that... that advanced kind of facial recognition stuff, it does kind of bring in some uh, safety aspects of the whole thing. It makes it a little bit safer that the person is not distracted or wearing like an Apple Vision Pro while they're going down the road or, uh, you know, sleeping or looking in the back seat or all that kind of stuff. It, it makes it a, the driver a little more accountable in the whole situation, uh, which is nice. And it still allows you to kind of relax a little bit, to take that sip of coffee, to talk to the person next to you. You still got to pay attention, but it just kind of takes the edge off of driving and being fully engaged with your hands on the wheel. And it's nice. It's a very nice feature. Do you, do you have an Apple Vision Pro? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, either do I, by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, but but you're, I've seen but, the videos of people driving their vehicles down the road with them on, and it horrifies me. It, it, it absolutely, it absolutely does. It, it uh, it's a scary, it's a scary thing. But the, um, you know, the idea of you know the vehicle and the technology, um, and you guys like you like guys like older stuff too. You you aren't just you know stuck in twenty twenty four and twenty five. You know, looking on your website, there's a lot of really neat stuff about you know some of the square body Chevys that were out there and that kind of stuff that people have shared information about. And that that's fun stuff to look at too. Yeah, we we are not just on the uh, talking about the brand new models that have just come out in the new features. Uh, specifically, our form caters to a lot of people who have older, more classic vehicles. I know for me, my first truck was an S10, and 
it's, it's hard for me to look back and go, okay, that's kind of a classic now, but they are, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, there are people out there who collect them now um, and don't just drive around them like a normal car like I used to, which is kind of weird, like I said, but, um, you know, the, anything from S10s to uh, old-style Apache, uh, you know, trucks to the C3100s to the Cameos, uh, we cater to a super, super wide audience of truck owner and, and enthusiast. And the cameo, the cameo was just a cool pickup truck because it was really, it was really the premium line back then. I, I, I just uh, every once in a while I'll, I'll stumble across one, and they they still generate a lot of attention when people see them. Yes, they, they were one of the first trucks that kind of introduced the idea that a truck can be more than just a work vehicle. Uh, it could be something that, you know, you drive every day, you can drive to dinner. Uh, it's not something you might just find on the farm and, you know, get dirty and forget about. Uh, it's the, one of the first, uh, you know, it kind of broke the mold in being, hey, trucks can be nice vehicles too. And that's uh, what, why people find very popular. And they're hard, uh, ones in good condition are very hard to find. Yeah. And, you know, take that a little bit further, you know, something like a, you know, Chevy El Camino, you know, not really, not really a car, not really a truck, but it can do a little bit of both. And uh, that's a, that's a whole cult in itself, right? Oh, yeah. Um, very, very popular uh, vehicles back in their day. Um, I'm kind of surprised that something similar to an El Camino hasn't been introduced here again, just because of the resurgence in these small truck uh, lineups like the Santa Cruz and the Maverick, um, and these just the tiny truck phenomenon is coming back. And the idea that you could make a car slash truck combination seems ripe for the picking again. I think for GM, and I'm I'm crossing my fingers that we may still get another El Camino someday, but I might be crossing my fingers for a while <laughs> well and you know people don't want to do that it's funny it's funny that uh you know this kind of came up in conversation i answered a, a letter this morning email this morning from a guy him and his daughter want to build some sort of vehicle they want something a little bit unique and i actually suggested they talk to the people uh, mark smith at uh Smythe, uh kit cars because they have these kits you can buy and you can turn a volkswagen beetle into a ute you can turn a dodge charger into a ute you can turn a subaru wrx into a little utility vehicle and i saw one of the uh beetles conversions and it was parked next to a porsche and more people were taking pictures of the of the beetle ute than they were taking pictures of the porsche which was pretty neat and the idea you can you can you know with a sawzall and a pop rivet gun and some and some silicone sealer you can build one in your garage yeah and that's what makes it appealing to people is if you get these companies providing these kind of kits and all the pieces you need that you can find a donor vehicle and work on it over you know the course of a couple months or a couple years and slowly build this really unique vehicle that is your own and customized by you. I think that's kind of the dream of a lot of car enthusiasts, uh, is to have some vehicle that they just didn't customize, but is completely custom to them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, before we let you go, we got to talk about your videos. You guys are uh, pumping out a fair amount of videos, and it sounds like you might be doing a little bit more coming up too, right? Yeah, so we have just partnered with... Uh, 
Hanks Chevrolet in Concord, New Hampshire, one of the largest Chevy dealers in the country, to start a new uh, po- video podcast series called GM Joyride, where Josh, my brother, and I uh, sit down and talk for about 30 to 40 minutes about the new vehicles that are coming out, what features uh, people can look forward to. We review vehicles. Uh, the episode we just recorded, which should be coming out next week, is going to talk about the all-new Silverado HD ZR2, which is kind of this amazing combination between a heavy-duty towing vehicle and an off-roading, uh, highly capable off-roader. So we had a lot of fun talking about that. And then we also chatted about the new uh, Chevy Equinox, Traverse, and Tahoe and Suburbans, which are all getting refreshed here in 2024. So we look forward to continuing this partnership with them to produce uh, the GM Joyride series. And then we have also set up our own studio in our office to start doing more video about uh, you know news articles that are coming out, things that are, uh, for example, uh, we're going to be doing a video on uh, GM announcing, speaking of Super Cruise, that they've added 350,000 more miles of Super Cruise-enabled roads in the U.S. over the next few months. Um, and then we've done some things like a... Uh, uh, fuel mileage test on a Duramax diesel Chevy Suburban where we went out and tried to get the best fuel economy possible and our goal was like 25, 26 miles of the gallon but we did 30 miles of the gallon in a huge Suburban with a 3.0 diesel. So we really like to go out and and talk about what's happening in the GM world of trucks and SUVs and crossovers, and then put them to the test at the same time, and uh, even you know dabble in installing accessories and talking about what kind of options people have when it comes to customizing their truck. And when I was, um, you know, I, I googled you guys for a minute just so I could, you know, make sure I had all the details right. Josh got a reconditioning shop now, a detail shop. Um, yeah, we're working with a college, uh, a buddy friend of ours, um, who we grew up with to offer some car detailing services on the side. Yes, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. They kind of, uh, you guys always, you know, when you're in your personal vehicles, they always look beautiful. So, you know, we try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, before we let you go, uh, you drive uh, new cars all the time. Anything, anything new and different? You've driven in the past month or so? Well, I just got out of a, uh, a Kia EV6, which really impressed me. I know electric vehicles are kind of controversial controversial right now, especially just trucks, EVs in general. But I was really impressed by uh, the Kia EV6. It just it looked really cool. The performance was really neat. And as I mentioned before, we just drove also a Silverado HD ZR2, uh, which huge, massive 35-inch tires, uh, a massive 6.6 liter Duramax diesel at almost a thousand pound feet of torque. Uh, so it, it literally, you could pull your house off the foundation and then drag it across the country, I think, if you wanted to, and then go off roading on whatever trail uh, you know you fancied. And so that kind of combination of vehicle also was really impressive. Um, and then uh, I was at the New England Motor Press Association's annual Winter Driving Awards competition uh, last weekend, and I got a chance to get behind a couple other vehicles like the Toyota Crown and 
and the Dodge, or Ram 2500 Rebel, uh, and then the new Buick and Vista also kind of blew my mind a little bit. To talk about a great value for a price, about $29,000, and you get this really luxurious, spacious, uh, fastback coupe. Uh, I think people who are looking for an affordable luxury car definitely should check that one out. There you go. Uh, so uh, the webs, the the most popular website that you guys have is uh, gm trucks dot com. Uh, yep. What what's the other, what's the other you you have the other site too, right? Uh, we have a few other Facebook groups yep. and social media following, so you can find us uh, by searching for. Um, gm-trucks.com on, on Facebook, and you'll find uh, some of our social media groups that we have on there. Perfect. Hey, Zane, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You come up with Same some here. of the some of the uh, most fun stuff, and you break news on your site once in a while, too. All of a sudden, you, you'll have a picture of something nobody's had before, and it shows up on your site, so... Pretty cool stuff. I've got some deep sources within the industry that that love to feed me things from time to time. So um, we—that's what I really enjoy—is being able to put something out there that nobody else has has been able to talk about yet, and uh, that's one of the most rewarding things about my job. There you I go. There you go, Zane. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and uh, thanks again for taking a little time out of your Sunday morning. It's always fun to talk to you, John. Thanks so much. I hope to see you again soon. All right. Take care. Bye bye. That <laughs> you was too. bye. That was Zane Merver, uh, half half of uh, him and Josh have the website, gm-trucks.com. Check it out. There is a ton of information on there. And click over to the video side. You can see the videos. You can see what you can see what uh, Zane looks like because he's in a lot of the videos. They do some video production with a, another very talented guy. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, more and more expansion, the idea of the... Uh, the pod, the video podcast is doing a lot of good stuff going on. Why don't we take a break, pay some bills? My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. And if you want to call us, 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. Yeah, you can see the girl coming from a mile away. She got a big wheels turning. is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. 
This is a message from the Hull Life Saving Museum. On Thursday, February 22nd at 7 p.m., the Hull Life Saving Museum is hosting a lecture by Adrienne Murphy, president of the South Shore Neptunes, one of the oldest scuba dive clubs in the U.S. Learn about their special activities from local beach dives to Caribbean adventures. For more information, go to hulllifesavingmuseum.org. I'm Ashley Jordan. Tune in to Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase Radio on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. And uh, it probably isn't a good day to jump on. Well, it might be a good day to jump on your Honda and go for a ride uh, on this uh, cool, blustery day. Uh, but uh, Bundle not, up. Here, not here not here where I am. No. I remember, I, I will tell you, Tim, when I first got a motorcycle many, many, many years ago. I couldn't wait for the first day that the, the roads were dry and I went out for a ride and I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I ever did. It's freezing out here. <laughs> you know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't bad at, you know, 25 or 30 miles an hour, but mm. at 40 and 50 miles Whoa. an hour, the wind cut Whoa. right through yeah. you and I, was, I wasn't prepared for it. No. But, <laughs> yeah. Enough, enough for that. Uh, let's talk to uh, Keith from Quincy. Keith, good morning. Good morning, sir. Long time listener. Well, thank you. I got I got two questions, uh, two different subjects: CVTs and Mazda. I'll start with the CVT. I usually like to buy a car that's between five and ten years old, but lately I've been advised that if it's got a CVT in it, stay away from it. They're okay when they're brand new, but they don't hold up like the conventional transmission. So I don't know if you have any any can shed any light on that. You know, it's it's funny about them, and you know the the company that was a little bit of history. The first CVT I ever saw was in a Subaru. It was in the three cylinder Subaru Justy, and nobody knew what it was. And it was sort of it really did look like they took a, a transmission out of a snowmobile because that's sort of what it was. It was two different size right. cones and a belt that kind of went back and forth, and you know it had variable. You know, variable speeds, I guess. Um, right. But then, then Nissan started using a lot of CVTs, and especially, you know, one of their most popular vehicles is the Rogue, and they were either perfect and lasted hundreds of thousands of miles, or they seemed like they broke in the first 25,000. So a little bit of maintenance is necessary. Uh, using the right transmission fluid is necessary. Some of them do really well. Some of them don't. I don't personally like the feeling of a CVT because what it's trying to do, it's always trying to find that perfect RPM spot, and it'll tend to try to hold that sometimes, and it almost feels like it gets gets hung up. But, I mean, I drive a lot of different cars. A lot of them have CVTs. Some of them... I don't even know that it has a CVT. It it seems perfectly normal. Everything seems good. But you're right. The longevity of it, um, 
not quite as long as some, but on the other hand, you know, some manufacturers like Ford tried CVTs in the Taurus and went back to conventional automatic transmissions. And um, and even some of these dual-clutch transmissions that are basically a standard transmission with two clutches, and we see those and everything from Ford Focuses to, you know, Volkswagens to BMWs. Um, kind of interesting with those, especially the BMW one, you know, it says there's no service necessary. You don't have to do anything to it. But if you go to the people who made the transmission, it says service the fluid every 60,000 miles. So BMW right, says right. it's a lifetime fill. Don't do anything with it. The company that makes it says, no, no, you should change the fluid every 60,000 miles. So you kind of wonder, say you were going to go out and you were going to buy a BMW that has a dual-clutch transmission, and you're like, oh, this thing's good forever, and then maybe it really isn't. So kind of the same thing with the CVTs. I don't know that I would stay away from one, but I would really drive it a lot to see how it feels. And if anything just feels a little odd, a shutter, for instance, that's one of the first things you start to see. You start to feel the transmission sort of shudder. Um, I would stay away from that one. Talking about motorcycles, you're talking about when it's cold. But I remember dry, riding my motorcycle home from the Cape when it was 95 degrees, and then I baked to death. People always think, oh, you're on a motorcycle, it's wide open, you know, you're going to get cooled. No, not really. <laughs> it's a, not, what, do you mean, what do you mean? It's like air conditioning. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. well, it's, and 95 degrees on a motorcycle, uh, yeah, it isn't, yeah, it isn't terrible when you're moving, but if you get stuck in traffic sitting there just baking in yeah. the sun, that's, that's no fun either. So, uh, you know, I guess good for me, I, I, I think I've passed over my motorcycle riding days, so... <laughs> Uh, Mazda, I, is there anything going on with Mazda? You never see him advertise anymore. You don't hear anything about him. I mean, they were always on TV, you know, zoom, 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 and introducing new models and everything. And now it's like crickets. So I don't know well, if they were having some issues or what. Well, Tim, Tim, who's producing today, has <laughs> yes. a Mazda, yeah. and he loves it. Oh, my God, yes, uh, uh, Keith. Yeah, I have a, I have a 2016 and a half uh, CX-5. I think it's a grand touring. But anyway, and getting back yeah. to the CVT and uh, dual clutch transmission conversation, I had a Nissan Rogue with a CVT in it. And before that, I ha I've always had traditional transmissions growing up with right. different gears. And it is a, it's a strange feeling, and, and they are prone to uh, uh, braking unexpectedly. But then I got this CX-5, and it's not a CVT. It's a six-speed with the, the dual clutch. And... I love the way it shifts, the way it feels. There's even some kind of adaptive clutch built into it, depending on how you push the throttle. And I, 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 I'm, I want to get another one when this when I can't use this one anymore. It's it's so good. No, well, the it, car I have now, car I have now is a Mitsubishi. It's got the six speeds with the paddle shifter, and I really oh, enjoy. There you go. Like you said, having having that kind of control. Yes. You know, with the CVT, it just seems like you're wandering around. Yeah. Yeah, it it can it can certainly feel that way, and you know it. But you're you're right. It is one of those. I mean, Mazda at the end of the day is still a small car company. It's right. it's not, and they have somewhat limited budgets. They you know they've been changing you know they've been changing some of their stuff around a little bit, and um, you know coming out with you know that that new uh, CX nine that they have, which is in the ninety. Yeah, the oh. ninety rather. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, uh, you know it is it is a 
interesting car because it's the first time they've used a, a straight six cylinder. So, um, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah and it's. Uh, you know, it, back it, to the it, future. Huh? Well, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what's old is new again. I guess yeah. is kind, yeah, right. you know, yeah. kind of the saying. So, you know, it's funny. You know, Consumer Reports. What month is this? March. So, uh, Consumer Reports just came out with, according to their readers, um, some of their you know most satisfying cars and least satisfying cars, and in the most satisfying cars. Uh, no real mention of Mazda in there. Under the least satisfying cars, and this is where, you know, you kind of have to take a little bit of a, you know, grain of salt, I guess, that, you know, least satisfying car, Mazda Miata. I'm not sure how the Mazda Miata can be the least satisfying car to drive. Yeah. When it, is such, when it is such a fun car to drive, and maybe, I don't right. know, maybe, maybe people... You know, feel too small in it. I don't. I don't that, know. That I don't, could be it. Yeah, I don't know. The, well, I don't know the real reason behind it, but it says Miata owners repeatedly noted how hard it was to get in and out of it. Well, you know, if you're a big person, right. maybe you shouldn't get in a little right. tiny car. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried to get in my friend's car, and I'm six foot five, and it just didn't work. Oh, even with a shoehorn, you know, just yeah. couldn't get in it. So. <laughs> but but it, it's funny when you look over to the. You know, Consumer Reports team of auto experts, and they have they, and I think it's about time we have Mike Quincy back on, uh, back on the program. <laughs> but um, under the cars that are really fun to drive, Mazda Miata. So oh, I can all, yeah, all, although although people people said you know least satisfying over on the other page, the people who test these cars out say yeah the uh, the interior is a little bit tight and you know the trunk's yeah. pretty small. It's a little tiny car, you know, but is it, fun, yeah, yeah. is it fun to drive? Absolutely fun to drive. So um, one of the reasons, and, and Mazda has historically always had really good, um, kind of really, really good repair history in the past few years because, honestly, they haven't made a whole lot of changes. You know, they've, right. they've taken... You know, they've taken their core vehicles, and they just refine them and refine them. And when you see things like, you know, Tim's car or, you know, even, you know, right up to, you know, current models, it really hadn't changed that much. And that's what I think really helps with the quality control of the vehicles. So, although you're right, you don't, you don't see a ton of, you know, TV advertisements. You know, keep in mind, you know, TV advertisements happen because either... The company's doing well, and they're making a lot of money, and they want to keep doing it. Or the cars aren't selling, so they're trying to, you know, trying to get them out in right, front of people. To, yeah. yeah. So, but you know, would I would I buy a Mazda? Absolutely. Speaking of transmissions, I don't know if you're old enough, but do you remember the old fluid drive transmissions that Chrysler had in the early fifties? Um, I, I've I've driven one. I've I'm not old enough to, um, to have fixed one. I don't think, but I I do remember, and I remember GM had a their first version of like the hydromatic or whatever they called it. It said so smooth you can't feel it shift. Really, what right, it was was yeah. it was it was a single speed transmission. Yeah, it yeah. never actually shifted at all. So I just remember driving with this guy that had a fluid drive and it had a clutch and everything. You know, you yeah. the three pedals yeah. comes to a traffic light and he just steps on the brake and that's it. And I'm going. Your clutch must be slipping like crazy. You need to get a new clutch. And he goes, "No, this is a fluid drive. You can do it either way." Yeah, and I was like yep. blown away. I couldn't well, believe it. Well, and even you know, even back in the 
maybe 60s, I don't think it was to the 70s, you know, Volkswagen had a um, semi-automatic transmission, and essentially the clutch was a button on the shifter. So what happened was you would, you would when it was time to shift, you'd push the button and it would shift into the second gear. Um, so there's, all, you know, there's, there's been a lot of changes, thought, yeah, yeah it, with different kinds of transmissions. Uh, you know, GM and Ford now have... Uh, you know, GM didn't do particularly well with their eight-speed transmission in their truck. A lot of people complain about the way it shifts and what it does. Um, you know, they GM and Ford actually share a ten-speed transmission now, and you you kind of wonder you kind of wonder at what point is there too many gears? I you know the first trans the first transmission I ever rebuilt was a was a GM Power Glide. It was a two-speed automatic, and it seemed Power to do and it, oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, and it seemed to do everything I ever wanted it to do. You know, and that still is um, you know for you know for racing that two-speed Power Glide transmission was still one of the most popular drag racing transmission. You know, as it got you know as it got strengthened up, and you know when you have stuff like you know. Bob Tasker's funny car putting out eleven thousand horsepower. It's a little bit different, yeah. but uh, yeah. but uh, but you know the idea of um, you know adding more gears and then you know three speed automatic, four speed, five speed, six speed. Um, you got to wonder at what point how many speeds do you really need? Well, wasn't adding more gears uh, the reason they did that is to improve the mileage? Yeah, absolutely. Because what happened? Power glide, yeah. you're stepping on that gas quite a bit to get it to shift, and so yeah, and and shift down, and that's when and shift down, where, right? Yeah. yeah, where what happens with the you know combination of the torque converters that lock up that go into sort of direct drive, and the top mm. couple of gears will be um, you know will be passed. Uh, one-to-one ratio. So what happens is you're in overdrive in basically, you know, fifth and sixth gear, and that's the, that's so the engine RPM turns a little bit slower, finds that sweet spot, but if the transmission's smart enough, as soon as you put any load on the vehicle, it's going to downshift to the next lower gear, and rather right. than have a dramatic, like the difference, you know, a two-speed transmission or three-speed transmission, where when it downshifts, it's pretty dramatic, this isn't going to be very dramatic, and you're not really going to notice it so much, and it's going to be comfortable to drive. So, my mother had one of those automatic stick shift Volkswagens. That's what they call them, automatic yep, stick shift. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, they, a- they they were they have become like all Volkswagens become oddly collectible, and uh, yeah. you know, and people, you know, I I didn't go this week. Yeah, I did go this week. There's a local car show where I am on Wednesdays, and uh, there was, I think, half a dozen Volkswagen Beetles there, including um, including uh, um, two different vans. And the vans are, are are crazy collectible these days. And you know, and people look back at you know at the Volkswagen vans and they they fall in love with them. You know, were they great? Not really. You know, they you know they they didn't they had they were you know forty fifty horsepower. Had trouble going up. Yeah. yeah, have trouble. Had trouble going up steep, really steep hills, and um, and you know would blow over in a windstorm. But you know, you see, but people, you see on those auctions, those twenty-three window. Oh yeah, uh, they go for over hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. No, the uh, the Volkswagen dealer down in Rhode Island, whose name I can't think of, he actually owns one, and it's one of the twenty-three window ones, and uh, pretty pretty rare vehicles. Uh, um, you know, and I kind of like the odd stuff. I kind of like the Volkswagen pickup truck sort of thing they had. And also, oh, yeah. if I ever had the room, the money, and 
I don't know, the ability to buy it, the Corvair pickup truck, the uh, the the oh, ramp yeah. side, yeah, the ramp right, side, yeah. because I got the opportunity to drive one of those once, and it's sort of like driving an electric car. You're sitting up in the cab, the engine's in right. the back, it's all covered over, you can't hear anything, and they're just fun right. to drive, and, and that uh, Corvair engine is just, uh, it, it's... It, you know, you either love the sound of a Volkswagen or you don't. The Corvair engine right. just sounds a little bit different, a little bit more power because, you know, it's a six-cylinder and just, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, just fun to drive. So, hey, Keith, thanks for taking a little uh, walk down memory lane here. Well, it's great, man. I always enjoy listening to you. always learn something new, so that's what's important. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Call, call back anytime. Our phone okay. number is 781-837-4900. For people who don't no, I guess. You know, I started doing radio stuff years and years and years ago. Um, I was asked to be on a guest on a radio sh- program. Um, it was uh, something I didn't want to do. I wasn't comfortable doing it. I ended up with a little bit of encouragement from Junior D'Amato, the guy who owns Junior's Automotive. He said to me, go find a little local radio station that's maybe looking for uh, guest hosts. As it turned out, there was a radio station down in Norfolk that had been off the air for years. They were looking for guest hosts. I pitched them an idea. They said, come on in and do it. Literally no one was listening to the station except, I think, the people who also had shows on the program. But um, then I was up in New Hampshire uh, because AAA Mass and Rhode Island had merged together. And there was a little local radio station up there um, that myself and one of my coworkers, Dave Juvet, uh, we did the program together. We ended up moving it up to the big station up in Concord. But somewhere in that time frame, I got a call from a guy who said, um, you know, can you fill in for our weekend host on our syndicated program? So I said, yeah, sure. So I went to the studio and um, did this program in, in, you know, two hours or whatever it was. And uh, during the week, he called me back and said, you're coming back. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? So, um, but one of the people I got to meet on the way was a guy by the name of Bob Long. Bob Long uh, was a partial owner of something called the Talk America Radio Network. And it uh, there was uh, Jim, John Crohan, Tom Starr, and Bob Long. Bob Long was a big-time automotive enthusiast. Uh, and at one time, he, and he started his own program uh, called... Um, Let's see. What was it called now? Uh, well, he had one show called The Longest Drive. He was also the voice of Motor Trend Radio and Auto World Radio. That's what it was. And um, and occasionally, even years later, once that network all went away, he would call me up and ask me to be on his program. And I just learned, and I knew a couple of years ago he had some health issues, and uh, he gave up his program, but I just learned the other day that uh, Bob Long has passed away. So if you were ever a listen listener of Auto World Radio, uh, the former host, Bob Long, has passed away. So sort of, sort of sad to see that, and, you know, and... Um, you know, it's just one of those, you know, as, you know, things change, you know, it, it is always, always that, even even though, you know, I hadn't seen him in a long time, I used to run into him at the New York Auto Show because he used to pre-record a lot of interviews while he was there. I think I ran into him at the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, so it was, it was always kind of, you know, and he was always, 
you know, we always remembered each other from the old days of being on this uh, Talk America radio network. And he would actually produce my show for me from time to time when, you know, a producer would call in sick, he'd come in. And we always had these good car conversations while we were there. On that somewhat sad note, I guess. Yes. Why don't we take a why don't we take a quick break? Okay. And we also have uh we've got another Quincy caller calling in Kevin is standing by too. All right. When we come back we'll talk to Kevin and if you want to join me and Kevin and Tim, give us a call at 781-837-4900. You're listening to Car Doctor program on 959 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. It's time again to tell everyone about the Girl Scout cookie sale that is going on right now. People wait all year for us to hold our cookie booths and go door-to-door selling cookies. We are again offering eight varieties of cookies for sale. Profits from the sale support troop activities, and in Duxbury, we award a camper trip to a girl each summer. So, when you see a Girl Scout selling cookies, be sure to buy a box and an extra box for the freezer, because when the sale ends, they will not be available for a whole year. Girl Scout cookies, try them. You'll love them. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD. Back to the car doctor program. Tim, you're going way back here, huh? Who, what, yeah. Who, yeah. This is Kathy Matea from 1997. Wow. Yeah. And, I, and an old with wire wheels. I'm not so sure about that. Maybe wire hubcaps. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, a little, little uh, literary license. Let's talk to uh, Kevin from Quincy. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, doctor. How are you? Fine, thank you. I have a 2021 F-150 Lariat, and my question is, I have a button on the dash if I'm under a certain miles per hour. I push the button, and I can utilize the rear-view camera. Now, that stopped working when I received an update back in September. And I Googled it, and a lot of people came back saying the update caused it. I called Ford. To see if uh, I'm out of warranty, yeah. So I called Ford to see if they would fix it for nothing, seeing it was their fault. They said they would uh, look at it when I go into uh, my regular checkup. Is coming up soon for an oil change. I'm going to have them look at it. They said they may or may not cover it. I was wondering if you would know anything about that, as far as them covering it. Um, I don't know whether they would cover it or not. But um, they did, Ford did 
put out a technical service bulletin. Let's kind of go through it together here. I just found it. It says some 2021 <coughs> Ford F-150s uh, not equipped with the 360 camera system. Uh, da, 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 let's see. It says here may exhibit an inoperative rear camera on-demand feature when the rear camera button is pressed. This may be due to the software level of the sync module. To correct this condition, follow the procedure to update the sync module via a coordinated flash along with image processing module A and instrument panel cluster to the latest software level. Let's see what it says at the very end here. Warranty status. Eligible under provisions of the new vehicle warranty, special service part, extended service plan limits, policies, and approval are not altered by this TSB. Coverage limits are a determined by the identified casual part or verified using Oasis part coverage tool. So, to me, it says, you know, F-150 reprogram, appropriate models is required by software update and service, do not use with any other labor operations. To me, it sounds like you'd have to pay for it, even though they screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's Uh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, there's nowhere in here that it says, you know, I'm reading, and it's about a bunch of pages. Uh, nowhere in here does it, it tells you how to do it, but nowhere in here does it say anything other than it's only covered by the extent of the warranty. That's all it really says. So even yeah. though, to me, that is a nonsense answer because the system worked and then it didn't work, so it seems like they should make it work, and there is... There absolutely is a software correction for it. So for me, it seems like you should go back to the dealer and say, "Hey, look, um, you know, you guys took out a feature that works in this worked in the vehicle when you did the software update, and I'm aware of um, a technical service bulletin. And if you have a if you have a pencil handy, um, it is technical service bulletin 23 Two four one six, and it was issued in December. Um, that fixes that problem. So, you know, I, I just wrote it down. All right, there you go. All right. Oh, I, if you have time, I have one more quick question. Sure, go ahead. Uh, my oil changes. I haven't been doing them. Uh, it, it has the onboard computer system. Right. It's, it's recommended ten thousand miles for changes. And that's what I've been going by, roughly ten thousand, nine to ten thousand. Yeah. And I've been checking the oil in between. It, it sometimes there's no oil gone, sometimes there's a little bit, and it's always relatively clean. Do you feel I should be changing it more, or just go with the flow, so to speak? You know, uh, you know the the systems are, the systems are pretty pretty good. Um, they actually really do a nice job of measuring a whole bunch of stuff and figuring out when stuff goes. I mean, the issue is, of course, you know, is is that, you know, should it be done a little bit more often because, you know, uh, because of you know maybe the type of driving you're doing. If you were towing, if you were towing a trailer, if you you know did a lot of off-road sort of stuff, things like that. You know, maybe you'd want to do it a little bit more often. You know, 10,000 miles is, um, if you use this to, you know, tow your boat in the summertime and your snowmobiles in the wintertime, do it, I would do it every 5,000. Um, and yes. that's and that's what I believe even they probably say, do it every 5,000. But, um, 
you know, if you're driving it like basically like a car, um, you know, doing it every 10,000 miles or once a year is probably fine. I always cringe a little bit with these long oil changes like that. My own car, it says to do it every 7,500. I tend to do it a little bit more often than that. Uh, we have a Volkswagen in the family. It's once a year, every 10,000 miles. It's lucky if that car goes 1,500 miles over the course of a year. So I don't feel bad about that. Um, but, you know, if you're going to drive this every day, if you did it a little bit more often, you know, 7,500, more doing it too often is no problem. Not doing it often enough is where the problems are. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's mostly all highway that I do with this. No, yep. no yep. roads. I use it. Yep. It's my retirement truck. Okay. Yeah, you know, every 10,000, pay attention to the thing, and when it comes up, you know, oil change needed soon, go get it done. You won't, you won't, right. vo you'll never void a warranty if you follow the directions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks an awful lot. Doctor. All right. Appreciate All right. It. Take care, Kevin. Yep. Bye bye. You too. Goodbye now. Um, last week, I talked about a little battery tester that I got from a company called Top Don. Uh, a company I had, frankly, never really heard of, and uh, it was and it and it. I've tried it a bunch of times now. I haven't had the chance to compare it to what I consider a really high-end battery tester. I've com I've, I've compared it with a couple different ones, um, but it it has been really accurate. I think it's really really good. Uh, cost about sixty dollars or so. Uh, I got an email from the company this week. Apparently, they have refurbished ones. So, if you are somebody who said, "Hey, you know that, uh, you know that t battery test you were talking about? Sounds like it was a pretty good product." Well, now apparently you can buy them for like twenty nine ninety five uh, because it's refurbished. It came back; something was broken about it, um, and you can you know and check out their website. It's, it's topdon.us. Uh, or topdon.com, I guess, and uh, it is, uh, I don't know, it it has done everything I wanted, including, you know, testing the little battery in my boat. So they have some refurbished ones, certainly worth looking at. The refurbished one, I think, is $29, 20, $26, so good deal if you want to go buy one. Um, that music means we got to go. I want to thank Tim for doing the phenomenal job. Thank you, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Always great to produce your show. I, we always have fun together when we do it. Yeah. I really enjoy it. And until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you do see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.